0: Hello and welcome to the Untitled Female-Driven Podcast. We are three film and television writers who are here to talk about how to make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. This podcast covers what we wish we'd known when we were getting started. You can learn the easy way what we learn the hard way. I'm Hannah Rosner. I mostly write for TV. I'm Jess Cho.
1: I also mostly write for TV. And I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write for film and we are super excited to be here today to talk about day jobs yay yay day jobs we've all had them yes and i am serious yay day jobs yay to the jobs that get us through the tough times so that we can do the things that we want to do i i hate it when people look down on on day jobs
2: it's also just not realistic everyone has a day job when you're starting out it's very very unlikely that you're going to move out to la and immediately get staffed on a great show or immediately sell your first feature If you do, congratulations. Congratulations,
1: (laughs) you are Steven Spielberg's nephew. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I bet Steven Spielberg's nephew is actually quite nice and is probably like an investment banker or something, but I feel like I reference Steven Spielberg's nephew whenever I talk about nepotism. So I apologize, Steven Spielberg's nephew. Unless this is true, and then I don't.
0: We should have Steven Spielberg's nephew on as a guest and just ask him, all right, what's (laughs) it like? We've been judging you harshly and incorrectly all this time. How do you feel about that?
1: Fun fact, I am sort of related to Steven Spielberg.
0: Uh, Oh, really?
1: Yes. My mom's first cousin's husband is Steven Spielberg's second cousin.
0: Wow. Well, then you definitely have the in with the nephew.
1: Anyway, day jobs. (laughs) Like for me... I was a temp. I temped at a bunch of like Showtime and Fox and FX and all these places. I wrote coverage. That might be the thing I did the longest is reading books, writing coverage for a couple of different production companies and working as a showrunner's assistant and a writer's assistant, which is sort of a day job, you know, but not not totally what we're talking about.
2: My day job had nothing to do with the industry. I was a catalog editor for an antiques and fine arts auction house. That sounds awesome. It was not, but we can go into that in a moment. I was a PA a lot. I worked
0: on a lot of features as a PA. I was a post production assistant. I I did write a little coverage, which was really helpful. And then I I did a couple of random like jobs that I found on Craigslist when I moved to LA. Like I was editing sizzle reels, and so that's how I actually got my. I wanted to talk to you guys about the craziest day jobs you've had, but I'll just volunteer mine, which is I worked as an assistant editor on a web series that was shot at a nudist resort. (laughs) And I was walking around naked because when in Rome, that's just what you do. Yeah. And it was actually kind of fine. Like it was normal because, I don't know, the people that were living there weren't exactly like supermodels. Like everyone's just kind of you know, just letting it all hang out and like, okay, this is normal. We're just all naked.
1: But yeah, I I don't have a job to be that. I was going to add that I, after, you know, after I graduated college, I did some retail jobs, you know, just to pay the bills. I was living in New York. I worked at a chocolate store, a very fancy chocolate store, like, while I was in college. And they very nicely, like, kept me on and gave me some hours after I graduated. And then later I worked at, like, a very expensive French children's clothing store. So, retail!
0: That must have been hard to work at a chocolate store and not eat all of the chocolate.
1: What makes you think I did not eat all of the chocolate? <laughs> it was part of my job, Hannah. I had to be knowledgeable right, on of my course. subject.
0: <laughs> Have you tasted this uh, French, you know, um, macaron? It was Swiss, actually. Yeah. Ooh. Ah.
1: Okay, now I really want one. But I feel like this kind of takes us into the fact that there are really two day job paths for writers. There's an industry day job. And then there's a day job that has nothing to do with the industry uh, at all, right? And there's there's pros and cons to each. So why don't we start with industry day jobs?
0: An industry day job takes up a lot of your time and a lot of your mental energy and physical energy. And so it doesn't leave a lot of time for, you know, writing um, outside of it. But the good thing about it is if you're working at an industry day job, you're getting a lot of experience um, that you might not get if you, you know were working as a barista or whatever.
1: You're learning how the industry works. I think one of the, the the best starter jobs in the industry is to be an agency assistant, especially if you're a writer on the lit side of things. And that is a really good example of the high highs and the low lows, because like your con is that you are not going to have very much time to write. If you are an agency assistant, you are going to work really long hours, you're going to work really hard, and you're going to have to really fight for any time to, to write scripts, right? The pro is that as that assistant you will learn exactly how the industry works you'll learn who all the players are and you will hear first about writers assistant and showrunners assistant jobs you meet the showrunners when you talk to them on the phone you know for your boss and those connections can go a really long way plus you meet every other assistant in the industry and those are the connections that that move you forward
0: it's a it's a really good first job i really regret that i didn't because i always felt so behind my colleagues and friends who worked at age, worked at an agency as an assistant. Just by osmosis, just simply by being there, you meet and so many people, you're on the phone, you learn all the names of all the executives and like directors. And it's just like such a, a hotbed of information. I will offer this piece of advice to anyone that is trying to get a job at an agency. Don't tell them <laughs> that you're a writer.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely don't.
0: <laughs> I kept going into meetings and um, I, when I was interviewing at agencies and management companies. And I would tell them that I wanted to be a writer. And they're like, well, then why don't you just go work for some writer? And (laughs) I was going to say
1: Zach Penn. (laughs) Yeah, that was the first thing
0: that came to mind. I was like, well, why is that the only one I can think of? Um, They were like, why don't you go work for some writer? And I was like, oh, uh, well, I don't, you know, I didn't have a good answer.
1: They're testing your ability to answer that question correctly. Like everyone who gets that job says they want to be an agent, but like almost none of them actually do. It just shows that you understand what they're really asking, which is will you take this job seriously or are you trying to jump ship as fast as possible? So that's like industry day jobs. That includes, you know, any kind of assistant job, whether you're assisting uh, a manager or an agent, or if you're a development assistant at a production company, you know, a producer assistant, all, you know, all that stuff. Even I would say temping kind of falls under that line because like, when I worked as a temp, I worked in so many different departments and so many different places. I worked for some amazing people like who were super high up and I learned who I would want to work with in the future <laughs> and how like TV networks actually function on the development side. Like, and it's that same thing. Like if you're, if a is kind of in between, because like, you know, if you're doing it right, you're working really hard. Um, but you can also, what I used to do is I would take gigs that were either a few days or up to like six weeks and then take time in between to write and kind of make my own schedule that way. And like, just kind of live really cheaply and balance making money with with writing time. And a lot of those connections that I made while temping are like friends or professional people who I know now. That's why I think it's really important to not look down on day jobs is it's such a prevalent attitude of like, oh, if you're a writer, what do you mean you temp? You know, <laughs> like, of course I do. Like, I want to eat
2: got to make money. I don't think I've ever had an industry day job. I've only had the other type of day job that has nothing to do with the industry. (laughs) Let's talk
1: about that. The other type of day job that isn't in the industry. Obviously, that's a very broad definition. But I think there's a really strong argument for taking a, say, an easy day job that allows
2: you time to write. Well, I mean, that was the path I took and it it kind of worked out for me, I guess. Um, So I, like I said, I was the catalog editor for an auction house. And the great thing about those types of day jobs is that it's a nine to five. You put in your hours and then you're done. The people you work for can't send you home with work. You know, you don't have to worry about the thing you're gonna do the next day. It's just, you know what your job is. And so it's very easy to schedule your writing life around that. So I would just, you know, wake up, I think at like 4.30, write for a few hours, go to work, come home, write for a few more hours, and that would be my day. And it was during that time, I think I don't remember exactly how long I had that job, but it was when I was having that, had that job and I was managing to pay the bills and I still managed to finish the script that got me into the CBS diversity program. Woo.
1: I think it's really cool you were able to wake up at 7.30 every morning to get stuff done. 7.30? Did I say 7.30? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said 4.30 oh, and I'm just okay. making fun of you. Okay. <laughs>
0: We all know how early <laughs> Jess gets up and we all know how much Erica <laughs> resents her for it.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think you, you said it really well, Jess, like you're able to make a writing schedule because you don't have to take work home with you, which you absolutely do if you work in the industry. Your job never leaves you alone. So, like, that's that's the pro of, like, being able to really hone your craft. I would say the con has to do with the fact that you have to work harder to network. And you have to work harder to understand the ins and outs of the industry because that's not coming from a, like a professional place?
0: I would say the, like the earlier you are in co- your career, the more, I would say that you want a job that's going to give you the most exposure to the industry and to industry connections, because as you get older older and you're olds like us, you know, (laughs) and you're just working at home by yourself or maybe with, you know, maybe you're in a room, but you're, you're just not meeting as many people later in your career. Whereas when you are starting out and you're an assistant, if you work at an agency, you can meet literally hundreds of other assistants. And a lot of them will go on to work at production companies or be producers or be directors or people you want to work with later. So it's, I think it's smart to uh, get a job like that early
1: on. I think you have to have a really honest conversation with yourself, though, because some people are not cut out to be assistants, you know, like and that's totally fine. It should it should have nothing to do with your writing career, you know, in a totally fair and just world. It wouldn't. You know, if like you don't feel like you could do a great job or learn to do a great job as an assistant managing schedules and calls and it's just like so much stuff is thrown at you. Uh, you have so much work to do. Like, if that's not something that you think you would be able to excel at with hard work, then it's not for you. And don't set yourself up to fail. You know, if you're terrified to answer the phone, and that's not a fear you think you can overcome, it's not the right job for you.
0: Although I will say, if you're if you're the type of person who wants to get better at being organized, and like if that's part of, if that's just like a personal goal of yours, being an assistant is incredible training ground for that like I was the kind of kid that forgot my homework like I would do my homework do a great job and then forget it at home or like my mom would come to school every other day because I forgot my gym clothes like I was the least organized human being on the planet cut to I'm you know 23 working for Zach and and managing his schedule and answering the phone and doing all of these things that require being very organized I remember I told my mom like what my job entailed and she was like wait, and you haven't been fired? Like,
2: how are you doing this? And
0: now I'm I'm very organized. So it's part of that just came from like absolute terror of messing something up and sending my boss halfway across the city for the wrong meeting or something.
1: Nice. I once sent a boss to the wrong airport. It was uh, was one of my first jobs. And I was just like, oh, wow, I I really did do that. (laughs) So he made it to the other airport. He got on his flight and, (sighs) you know that was that. I still get really stressed about booking travel. And I don't think it's just because of that, but like, it's partially because of that.
0: I still have like assistant PTSD. I think so. Yes. If you want to save yourself that stress, or the assistant life just isn't for you. Definitely don't feel bad about it.
1: If you are stuck in a bad situation in in, in an industry day job, you are not alone. Uh, It happens to a lot of people. And uh, there's ways to deal with it.
0: I could write a whole book about it. I (laughs) I always wanted to when I started as a PA, I would I I wanted to write a book about being a PA and like just all the like ins and outs and the tips and tricks that you don't learn unless you make a major fuck up. Like that's the only way to learn some of these things. And I was going to put one of those, um, the cover was going to be, you know, those little green sticks that you put in your Starbucks cup to make sure that the Starbucks doesn't spill.
1: I do know those.
0: That's like one of those things that you're like, what is this? Why do I need this? And then when you're an assistant and you spill coffee all over your car, you're like, "Oh, that's what that's for." <laughs> so, I was going to put that on the cover. Stay tuned for my book, everyone.
1: We and and most of our audience are, you know, writers and trying to figure out how to to be the best writers we can be. So, how did you kind of manage scheduling time to
2: write? Well, you, you sort of know my answer for this That's one. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wake up really early and get a couple hours in. It's sort of, it's this thing of like, you have to just be willing to sacrifice something. Like I had to sacrifice some sleep and I had to sacrifice like some parts of my social life because you just need the time. It's not just, you can sit down and then immediately start banging out a couple pages and feel good about yourself. It takes time. I can't just have a crazy packed day that's sort of very exciting or stressful and then sit down and type the stuff or write the stuff that I want to write at the caliber I want to write it. So it's about managing your expectations for your day, knowing like, okay, I'm going to start writing in about five hours. Like if you write in the afternoon, like I'm going to start writing in five hours. What are the steps I need to take in order to be in the right headspace to write productively.
1: When I was talking about temping, like that was really what worked for me since I'm I'm not a morning person. Um, I have done, I have gotten up early to write or I have written at the end of the day. A lot of times I would write on my lunch breaks. Occasionally I would have a temp job so slow that I could bring in my laptop and write while I was there. That was always amazing. But, you know, I kind of felt like I needed to build in days or weeks of time to then set a really specific goal for it. You know, like, all right, I just finished this six-week job, so I can take a I can take some time off. Uh, I am going to spend the next three or four weeks turning down temp jobs, and finishing the first draft of the screenplay or finishing this rewrite. Just having that really clear goal of what I needed to accomplish with that time was really really helpful, and I was mostly able to to get it done.
0: I would second what both of you have said in terms of how I was able to get everything done was, and I was not always a morning person. I used to sleep till like nine or ten. And once I got my day job working for Zach, and I really wanted and needed to be writing as often as I could, despite working from, you know, I think we worked from like 10 to 7 most days. So yeah, I pretty much gave up every Saturday and some Sunday mornings and would have to learn to get up at like 6 or 6.30 so that I could get a couple pages out. And it was good to have that looming deadline. Like if I was a night person, which I'm not, but some people are able to write at night. Um, I think I would just go and go and go and then not get any sleep, which would have probably really hurt my ability to do my day job. So getting up early and knowing, okay, I have two hours. (laughs) When I set expectations for myself, they can be a little too high and unrealistic. So then my best bet was don't worry about trying to hit a certain goal, just write until you have to get in your car and drive to work. So even if you only write one good page, at least you got up and did it. But another thing I would say about, uh, you know, being in the right headspace where you want and need to write one thing that I think having a always having a day job has served me well is that I got pretty good at being able to write anywhere. So I used to be the type of person that I want to be, I need to be at a coffee shop, there needs to be a certain amount of ambient noise, and I have to have, you know, my coffee just right. Like I I used to be that type of writer. And then after working for Zach and being like, okay, well, we're in Austin for the film festival, and I have two hours between events, I'm going to go to my hotel room or, and write, or I'm just going to be in the lobby or at the airport or whatever. And so getting used to writing whenever I can squeeze in the time anywhere made it like I can now write anywhere under any circumstances, although coffee is still essential.
1: You're making me realize that's something I've kind of lost. Now that I am supposed to be writing all day, every day, you kind of lose like I I remember too, like yeah, writing in in a car, writing in a lobby, writing obviously in a coffee, shop, like writing between meetings. Like it really is a mindset of like oh i have this time i'm going to use it and really just getting in that habit it's um it's going to serve you really well like i just think that it's it's really important to acknowledge the reality of breaking in as a writer in the industry and and not having the same financial resources that that some people do you have to give things up you have to be willing to give up some of your social life you have to maybe give up traveling because you want to work less And save your money so that you can survive in Los Angeles longer. I hope we make it very clear that this is really not an easy path. It's a worthwhile path, but it's really not easy. And, you know, be kind to yourself and have a lot of respect for yourself for what you're doing because it is really difficult.
2: Quick tip for um, people who are trying to, like, squeeze in more writing throughout the day. Get a recording app on your phone so that you can use it during your commute. That's something I found very helpful Um, because at one point I had a commute that was three hours every day. Did you say three hours? Yeah, like round trip, hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the evening. And um, that's an hour and a half you're sitting in traffic. And it's just agonizing when you want to write and you know you can't because you're in traffic. turns out you can. Just uh, it took a little bit of training to be able to dictate what I wanted to write on the page later. But it was basically just a a useful way to eke out a few more hours, uh, productive hours in my day that I could put onto the page at night.
0: That is very impressive, Jess. I have recorded like, oh, I just had this thought real quick, I'll record it just because I it's too much to type, but I've never thought about actually like writing, dictating what you want to put on the page. That's really impressive.
2: I mean, I'm not very good at it. I'll just I like, give a general idea like, okay, this is going to take place in a coffee house, it's during the day, this character needs to walk in and have this sort of emotional state and then say something like this. It wasn't straight word to page or anything. So
1: that's such a great tip. I love that. I kind of wanted to go back to,
2: you know, just like kind of the nuts and
1: bolts of surviving with your day job, uh, you know, until you sell your script and make a million dollars, obviously. I think some of the best advice I've ever gotten, uh, I want to specifically recommend uh, the budgeting nuts and bolts. Bolts class through the Actors Fund, uh, which is totally free. We have this idea that because we don't know how much money we're going to be making, that we can't possibly manage our money. But like the opposite is true. You have, you have you really need to be able to manage your money if you don't know when you're going to get paid next, either as a writer or if you have a freelance kind of a day job or something like that. So like one of the things that she showed me to do that was so amazing is figure out how much your life actually costs, right? Like know what that number is that you need to make to keep you in LA doing what you're doing, right? And even if you're racking up debt, which, you know, a lot of people do, it's a <laughs> terrible world out there. Like know how much debt that you are that you are creating. Don't just like look away from that number because it's scary, but like if you know how much your life actually costs, then you can plan accordingly to know how many day jobs should I be taking? You know, like what is like my salary requirement if you're taking a job? Uh, you know what it, what you need to be honest with yourself and hopefully with your employees like oh I actually need this much to survive
2: taking responsibility in charge of your own life is key in order f- if you want to survive in this in this business
1: also important is don't burn bridges right <laughs> like if you're working in as an agency assistant and you get a job as like a screenwriter don't be like see you suckers <laughs> you know like everything you do in that sense will eventually come back on you like there is no point to burning a bridge unless you know something truly terrible has happened and you're 100% sure that you're never going to need that person again. But like, don't get too big for your britches. Just because you get promoted faster than other assistants doesn't mean someday they're not going to be your boss.
0: There's so many people that work in this business and yet it is such a small town. You will inevitably run into somebody that you met when you were starting out. Your paths will cross again, especially if you had an awkward or bad encounter with them. You will meet them again. It's just pretty much guaranteed.
1: And also I'll say that you actually never know when you might need to take a day job again. I feel like there's been times where I was like, oh, finally, like now I can stop suffering and write that symphony, which is a, sorry, it's a line from Singing in the Rain, which I'm like kind of obsessed with. Like, you're like, okay, I've made it. I'm done. Like, are you, though? You know, like, I. it's a precarious career. And I know that I've read stories of, like, people who wrote big movies in the 90s who now live out of their cars, right? So, like, just know that that's, again, why we we don't look down on day jobs because it is totally possible you may need to supplement your income or completely create your income from another another job someday.
0: When I first got my job writing for legacies, I was so excited and I was like, okay, finally I can I don't have to worry as much about money. But I still buy my clothes secondhand. I still ride my bike as much as I can instead of driving and just any way I can save money or just be mindful of of budgeting because you never know if this job ends, I don't know when the next job will come up. So you just you have to Don't ever think, okay, well, now I've made it and I can just spend with abandon. Like still save your money, still be reasonable, adjust your budget. And just like Erica said, be aware of how much you really need to spend and stay within your limits. You should never really be above taking a day job to supplement your income if you're between jobs for a while. After my writer's assistant job ended and before I got the job on Legacies, I was a fitness instructor for a little while which was awesome because I like working out. So I got to like, you know, make playlists and teach uh, spinning classes and it helped me stay in shape and make a little money. It was nothing compared to what I was making on the show, but it was like, at least I'm still working. And if I don't work again for a while, at least I know I have some income and I have a second job and if I need to fall back on it.
2: We'll take one of your spin classes now.
0: It's actually (laughs) really fun, especially like choosing the music was always my favorite part.
1: I think that, you know, especially if you have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, like, look into what else you might be able to do when you're between jobs so that you can just really keep afloat and, and survive. Like it's such a longevity game being, being a writer and you need to be prepared. You also, you not only need to be prepared, but you want to be prepared to not have a job for a while, you know, like as a writer, because like you don't want to have to take every writing job that comes along. Like if you are financially savvy and saving the right way, then that gives you this freedom to choose. Whether it's you know I don't want to take this screenwriting job or I don't want to take this writer's assistant job on a show that I know I will not be helpful to my career you know something like that is uh is really helpful and also I'll say like I think sometimes people are weird about applying from un- for unemployment if they're doing things like writer's assistant jobs where it's like from season to season and you don't know when the next one is coming like apply for unemployment like you you paid into it and it doesn't matter. If you get hired on another show next week, then you can be like, I was just kidding, and they won't get mad at you as long as you don't take the money. Like, be prepared to ride out a drought and hope that that's not the case. I hope if you take anything from this episode, it's that you should take pride in surviving. You know, like, day jobs are important and necessary and honorable And can help with your writing, honestly.
0: Yes. You know, I got so many great ideas for uh, scripts that I wrote early on from my earliest jobs. Like I was also a lifeguard for many years. And so I wrote about those experiences a lot. some Back when I was a comedy writer, I was never (laughs) trying to write (laughs) comedy for a while. Um, And so, yeah, especially if you're a comedy writer and you have a, a day job where, you know, random things can come up or you are encountering people from all walks of life that can all inform your writing. So while I think it's really important to be willing to sacrifice, you know, your personal life and your social life, everybody has to do it. It's just part of life as a writer, but you still want to make some time, not just to have a work-life balance, but again, it informs your writing when you're going out and living your life. So if there's something that's really important to you and, you know, you're going to be with your friends or your family and you don't have a deadline or something, go out and do it because it might, you know, life experience is just as important as, you know, sitting in front of your computer and, and writing. You never know where you're gonna get inspiration.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, don't be the whiplash guy, like the guy in the drubbing movie who only does that. He dumps his girlfriend, he like leaves his dad, all that shit. Don't be that guy. Just... Wait, was that the moral of that movie? Wasn't that thing like <laughs> excellence requires you to cut out everything wonderful in your life? Wasn't that it? I yeah.
1: I had a job, like, just, like, an incredibly boring job as an assistant at one point, and I used that time to write a script about this, like, kind of dowdy assistant who turned out to be, like, a super assassin. And writing the scene where her coworkers realized, like, who she really is was, like, one of the most satisfying things I've ever written. <laughs> and importantly, um, that is actually the script that that got me my manager, and it was actually optioned at one point to get made so like that experience created something that got me money and a really big push in my career uh it was solely because i was tired of being bored and overlooked as an assistant anything else you guys want to add
0: i mean like i said stay tuned for my book
2: about (laughs) (laughs) the, the hellish trials and tribulations of assistant life follow us on twitter our handle is at untitled female you can connect with us there or email us at untitled female driven podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you bye bye